today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. This speaks to how a woman is more apt to come under the headship of a man who truly understands his God-given responsibility and owns up to it. And here's why. This is how God made her. She will feel secure and protected under His authority when He takes responsibility for the leadership that He's been given. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Timothy. Today's message is one most would like to skip, the role of men and women in the church. But Pastor J.D. reminds you that all of Scripture is worth studying and applying to your life. God has designed men and women uniquely and specifically, and each plays a role in the health of the body of Christ. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We are in 1 Timothy, and today, Lord willing, we're going to finish chapter 2. We'll pick it up in verse 15, and uh, or verse 5. <laughs> yeah, we'll pick it up in verse 15 and then just close in prayer. Actually, after you hear and follow along as I read what's here, you're going to want to close in prayer. So, the Apostle Paul is writing, and by the Holy Spirit says, verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Verse 8, therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Verse 9, I also want the women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman, verse 11, Just give me a second here. Should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam, verse 13, was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women, verse 15, will be saved through childbearing 
if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Pretty much self-explanatory. I think we can just close in prayer, as I mentioned. <laughs> and uh, Okay. Uh, when you teach the Bible verse by verse, um, you can't skip over passages like this as much as I would love to. But actually, there's something here I believe the Lord has for us. Okay, <laughs> so I want to talk with you about men being godly. Uh, this is what the Apostle Paul is addressing here in his letter to Timothy. Now, I realize that at first read, one might come away with the impression, the wrong impression really, that this passage is supremely about keeping women in their place. Yeah, it's not. Actually, it's more about women being the women God made them to be when men are the men God has commanded us to be. That's what this is about. Remember years ago I heard this quote from G. Campbell Morgan, and it stuck with me over the years, and I think it's apropos for us today. He was talking about an older Christian woman who had never been married. And when asked why, she explained it this way, saying, I never met a man who could master me. Wow. This speaks to how a woman is more apt to come under the headship of a man who truly understands his God-given responsibility and owns up to it. And here's why. This is how God made her. She will feel secure and protected under his authority when he takes responsibility for the leadership that he's been given. But there's a problem. And the problem is when the man abdicates his leadership responsibility, which is why a woman will step in and take the lead. I'm sure you've heard it said that sometimes the best man for the job is a woman. Uh, you might be surprised to hear me say this, but I would tend to agree with that statement. Situations can and do arise when a woman may need to take the lead simply because the man is unable, or worse yet, unwilling, and refuses to. However, I would contend that oftentimes the reason a woman will do this and usurp the authority of the man is not because a man refuses to, but because she has chosen to usurp his authority. This is Genesis 3.16. This is the curse. Let me read it because it's going to be germane to our understanding of this passage, which I think you would agree is a little bit difficult to 
understand. I mean, what's this whole thing about, you know, the woman's going to be saved when she gives birth to a child? What's up with that? Well, in Genesis 3.16, this is the curse to the woman. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Hang on to that. I want to draw your attention to the second part of that. And there is a second part to that. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now I have to confess that when I was a younger believer, I thought, wow, cool. Her desire will be for her husband. Thank you very much. That's not what it's saying. You will desire to usurp the man's rulership over you. That's what that means. Oh, I wish it didn't mean that. I wish it did mean that her desire would be for her husband. No, her desire will be to usurp her husband's authority over her. One commentator put it best this way, the failure of men to lead in the home and in the church and to lead in the way Jesus would lead has been a chief cause of the rejection of male authority and is inexcusable. Lest any man let this go to his head, pun intended, he would do well to consider how that Christ has the headship over the man, the authority over the man. Moreover, God the Father has the headship over Christ as the Son, which is an example of the perfect order of God's authority. That's the way He ordained it. Ephesians chapter 5. This is perhaps one of the best passages of Scripture that really not only lays out what, but the why behind the what. Follow along as I read beginning in verse 21. Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Stop right there. This is verse 21. It comes before verse 22. I know that's deeply profound. But you know what's in verse 22. Well, come on. Every husband has verse 22 memorized. And they quote it to their wives. Because it says, wives, submit to your, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Submit, woman. Come on, don't look at me like that. But verse 21 comes before verse 22. We don't want to talk about verse 21, right guys? Why is that? Because it says, submit to one another. I'm not submitting to her. She needs to submit to me. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, Let's see why and how. So we're to submit and notice the common denominator in both verse 21 and 22. It's out of reverence to Christ as unto the Lord. That's where the submission is. Now, verse 23. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, verse 25, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, verse 28, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Oh, I have yet to meet a guy that's not into his body. All he needs to do is just walk by that storefront with the reflection and just kind of suck it in. And This is the second time, by the way, that the admonition to the man, not the woman, the man, the husband, love your wife. Second time. First time as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Second time, love your wife as much as you already love your own body and care for your own body. Look how much time you spend in front of the mirror. My goodness. He who, this is interesting. I want you to hang on to this. We're going to come back to this in a moment. He who loves his wife loves himself. Really? You've heard that saying, happy wife, happy life. Or perhaps better said, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. (laughs) Right there. After all, verse 29, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, notice the reference back to Genesis. A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, verse 33, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. Three times. And then seven words to the wife. This always gets to me. But he's just three times said to the husband, love your wife, love your wife, love your wife. And then he turns to the wife and says, seven words, no fair. And the wife must respect her husband. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, fine. Respect me, woman. Problem. You don't love me, man. Did you make that connection? Did you connect those dots? Here's how it works. My wife and I have been married for, oh my goodness, good thing she's not here today. 
or watching. Are you watching? I'm sorry, so sorry. 32 years, I think. Maybe it's 33. Lost count. And I'm here to tell you, (laughs) this is our study on Thursday night, learning the hard way in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I'm one who has to learn the hard way, and I have the scars to prove it. And this is something that I've had to learn the hard way. That my wife will never respect me unless I first love her this way. Show me a husband who loves his wife, I'll show you a wife who respects her husband. That's how it works. Oh, I wish I would have learned that early on. I could have saved myself a lot of misery, a lot of suffering, a lot of heartache, a lot of silent treatments. You know how that works, right? You know, sometimes lasting for, you know, two, three days. I'm not going to apologize. She used to apologize to me. Well, how's that working out for you? You know, as husbands, we, you know, I'm the leader in my home. I wear the pants in my family. Well, here's the thing. Your wife chooses which pair of pants you're going to wear. I'm the head of my house. Okay. Your wife's the neck. Part of the same body. And that's the problem, isn't it? So this is the way God has wired the woman. I'm sorry for saying it that way, but for lack of a better way of saying it, God has made her in such a way that she responds with respect to love. Absent that love, an unloved woman, an unloved wife, the Proverbs says, that that's one of the things that is just, the earth cannot stand up under. It is just, you know, so out of order to have a wife that is not loved by her husband. This is not necessarily, chiefly, a teaching on marriage, but certainly you can see the application of it. Husbands, listen, I just want to talk to you man to man. We need to be the man's man that God's called us to be. And then and only then can we have the wife that we want her to be. Because that's the way God has made her. You can't go against that. It's been said that the wife needs three A's. Affection, affirmation, and attention. And the way God has made the wife to be is that she needs to feel that she's the most important person in your life, husband, next to the Lord. If she's competing with friends, hobbies, sports, football, anything else, then you're going to pay the price, and probably already are. It's a wise husband who realizes that if his wife feels like she's the most important person in his life, she'll be so secure, she'll let him go golfing for four hours. You know, picture the husband with his golf clubs on his back. Where are you going, honey? I'm going to go golfing. Again? Yeah. 
Wow. How do you rate? The Apostle Paul is echoing to the Ephesian church that which he is saying here in his letter to Timothy concerning headship and leadership. If you think about it, it has to be this way, right? Because if you have two heads, that's an abnormality. (laughs) There's only one head. The head of the man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God the Father. This is God's ordained authority structure. And it's for this reason that the man is the head over the woman. However, man's headship, man's leadership must be one that is sacrificial as Christ's love is and loving as Christ's love is. When you love her in that way, that's the only way, because that's the way God's ordained it. I know I've shared in the past, whenever I do a wedding, which is probably why I don't get asked to do a lot of weddings anymore, (laughs) but I always put the husband or the groom, soon to be husband, on the spot. And I do it out of Ephesians 5, where we just read. And I'm, again, learning the hard way. I, I, now I give them a heads up, again, no pun intended, whereas before I just, I would spring it on them. And they're up there. She's in her wedding dress, just so beautiful, and he's so nervous, and they're standing there, and I'm uh, reading Ephesians 5, where Paul says, husbands love your wives, husbands love your wives, husbands love your wives, and then to the woman, and respect your husband. And I look at the man and I say, how are you going to love her that way? (laughs) It's kind of a tall order, right? (laughs) Love her as much as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her? Love her as you love your own body and care for it? Love her as you love yourself? How are you going to do that? I had one, one groom say, I don't know. I don't know. What am I, what am I going to do? There's no way you can unless you have the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love. The only way you can love her that way is by the love that God gives you for her. It is an inexhaustible, endless supply. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged in your faith as we learn from the book of 1 Timothy together. One of the greatest lessons from this book is that it doesn't matter how young or old you are. If God calls you to something, answer His calling. He's faithful to use you and your gifting to further the kingdom in powerful ways. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. As always, we encourage you to keep studying the Bible on your own. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this series, you'll be able to find them at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Maybe you've been listening today and you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. 
You may already read the Bible and may even attend church, but have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is so important. We also encourage you to be part of a church. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join our church family. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.